don't want to preach too long this morning, friends. I, I, I really, uh, but I'm trusting that God comes to speak to us about this thing about gentleness. Can you turn with me in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 42? Isaiah 42, and this is a prophetic scripture of the prophet Isaiah talking to Jesus, talking about Jesus. The fact that one day when Jesus comes, and he's, he's describing Jesus um, in the Old Testament. It says, here is my servant, 42 from verse 1, here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him. He will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. In his teachings... The islands will put their hope. So you're talking about gentleness this morning. I was hanging out with a friend this week, and we were busy talking about something. He was telling me the story about at his, at his workplace. So he runs his own business, and uh, one of his managers uh, just wasn't pulling their weight. And my mate is like pulling his hair out. He's just like so frustrated with this guy. And he's saying, so he sits with this guy, and he says to him, listen, bro, like, whether you hear or not, it makes like, like you do nothing. So whether you hear or not, it makes absolutely no difference to me in my life. You're not helping. And the guy looks at him and goes, but it makes a difference to me. <laughs> like, he's just like, he's saying to me like, of all the things someone could say in that moment, not like, sorry, not I'll trial harder, not I'm going to make it more of an effort, not I'm like, what can I do? It's just like, but it makes a difference to me. And I think it's such a beautiful story because it kind of outlines for us why this thing of gentleness is so incredibly important. And I'm going to talk about what gentleness is uh, this morning and hopefully challenge us a little bit around it because I feel like um, we'll look at a text a little bit later on where the writer says that let your gentleness be evident to all, the Lord is near. And what he's saying is that Jesus is coming back, friends. And we do have this mission to reach the world with the gospel. And we do have this, this um, incredible opportunity to go out into the world and to bring this good news of the gospel. But if there's no gentleness in it, if we're going to take, you know, maybe perhaps like the Crusades, we, we don't do it like they did in the Middle Ages, but maybe we're a bit like Crusaders nowadays where we take the club of the Bible and I'm going to go get the world saved whether they like it or not. When there's no gentleness, the message of the gospel gets lost in sometimes perhaps our enthusiasm or our, you know, religious bigotry or think we've got it all together and whatever. So it's in these moments that gentleness is most needed. It's probably one of the most misunderstood fruits of the Spirit because it kind of falls in there with all the, um, it, it's actually the third, I thought only kindness and goodness were the two granny attributes that we would, but maybe um, gentleness is also there. You know, it's something like granny at Christmas time, she's kind and good and gentle and sweet. Um, but actually, like Nikki was saying, there's something so incredibly powerful about gentleness. It's not the same as softness at all. And gentleness is in no way or means being a pushover or being weak-willed. Someone who's gentle is not a pushover and not being weak-willed if, we if we look at Scripture. So gentleness, as it's described in the text that we read from Isaiah, has two parts to it. And I think it's really important to understand the two parts because if we lean too much into the one it's no longer gentleness. And if we lean too much in the other, it's also not gentleness. And they are the two extremes that we kind of work back and forwards between. But if we hold them both in tension, 
we can live with this incredibly powerful gentleness, powerful gentleness, right, that, we, that God gives us to reach the world. The first part is justice. And gentleness doesn't deny the fact that justice is necessary. Look at, look at what happens in verse 1 here. It says, Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. And so when I look at gentleness in its, in, its, in its broader form, what generally happens is gentleness is needed in a scenario, like that story I told you with my mate who now has to go talk to his manager. Now, he can't just sweep that under the carpet and pretend it hasn't happened. There, there needs to be a reckoning, right? It doesn't, gentleness is not saying that we sweep aside and that there's no reckoning at all. There still has to be justice. There still has to be a reckoning. And friends, in our lives, we can't be those who run away from conflict and call it gentleness. It's not the same thing. We still have to be able to those, be those who are able to deal with conflict situations. It's the taxi. You know, every time Nikki threw the egg on the floor, I'm just like, that was a taxi driver. And there was a, because I get frustrated, you know? Like, come on, where's the police? Why doesn't someone, like, stop this guy from going through the red robot? You know, that's, it's like my pet, it's one of my pet peeves. But then, like, if I'm in a rush and by mistake I go through a red robot, like, eh, you know, you have to understand, you know? So on the one side, gentleness doesn't deny the need for justice. There has to be justice. But on the other side of it is this thing of, and I wasn't quite sure how to word it, so I've given it three words, is we need to be able to take time, we need to have moderation and graciousness in how that justice has worked itself out. Look what, so verse 1 says, he will bring justice to the nations, but then straight away in verse 2 it says, he will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. And so talking about Jesus coming with this incredible, the gentleness of Christ, which we'll read about in a moment in 2 Corinthians, when Jesus comes, it says he comes to bring justice. Now I'm like waiting for the machine guns and all the angels flying in and, you know, like Armageddon vibes, like the whole world's going to get wiped out. Here he comes to bring justice. A smoldering wick he won't put out, and a bruised reed he won't break. And so the way that justice is executed, right, is the difference between gentleness and not gentleness. And by the same token, if you take justice off the table and it's just always grace and always, that's not gentleness at all. Because ultimately that's not loving the person because they're going to keep tripping over whatever they're tripping over. There's no accountability in whatever we're dealing with, whether it be ourselves or others. Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 10.1. By the humility and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you. I, Paul, who am timid when face to face with you, but bold when I am away. And it's interesting. So even in this text, Paul's talking about, I'm coming to you with this gentleness of Christ. And he says, but when I'm with you, I'm timid and I'm gentle and I'm like this. But when I'm not with you, I'm able to be quite direct. And so he's also showing that there's space for both of these, this, the timing, the moderation, the graciousness but then also justice. We have to be able to deal with things. We can't just let things slide. So what is this gentleness of Jesus? The gentleness of Jesus. What does this actually look like? Well, I think, I don't think, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to know this, but we live in a world today where we are absolutely obsessed with our rights, our voice, and our opinions. I have an, I'm a person 
therefore I have an opinion, and therefore you better listen to it, because, hey, I'm a real person, and I've seen some stuff, and I live, I live kind of this entitled thinking and, and existence. And also, by the same token, because of my opinion, my, my attitude towards people is, you better be careful if you step on my opinion. If you don't listen to me, Outrage, like losing my mind. Flip out in the moment. It's in our parenting sometimes. Looking at our kids going, how could you do this to me? And the kid's like, I, it had nothing to do with you. I did, it was me, uh, me being selfish about me. In our marriages, how could you do this to me? In other relationships, how could you do this to me? How could they do that? How could they do that to me? Perhaps if you're not talking to the person directly, it's an, it feels like an indirect thing. And maybe even with ourselves in our heads, how could I let this happen myself? And so it's this, this I'm very judgmental, very black and white, very like look for justice kind of thinking, the world that we live in. And what happens, I think we, we live our lives with these very clear battle lines that are drawn. And because, to some degree, and we'll talk about it in a minute, we live with these frustrations or we live on the slow burn of like, I haven't dealt with stuff. It's just kind of going around in my heart, right? The battle lines are drawn. The moment someone comes anywhere near that line, I just blow up. And the moderation and that graciousness and that ge the gentleness to be able to see that and be able to deal with it is completely gone. And so what happens is I walk, around, I walk around in my life fighting for my rights, fighting for what I want, fighting for what I think is true, and even fighting for what I think Jesus wants. And, but I'm fighting against people, right? I'm not being gentle towards people, and so I can lose my story. It's very interesting. We demand justice of others, yet we expect understanding, moderation, and grace for ourselves, like I mentioned in a moment. When someone else does something, they're such a cartoon character to me, you know? Please don't shout, you know, don't shout at me. I don't like it when someone shouts at me. Someone shouts at me. I don't give a moment's thought to what is behind that at all. I just, I just see the action and I react to the action. But when I shout at someone, I know the process that led up to it. Woke up that morning like a mozzie flying around my head all night, didn't sleep well. Then I got out of bed and stepped on some Lego, which is horrific. And so by the time like, I got to be in public, wherever I was around these people now, I'm already just like broken. And so it's not my fault that I went off pop if you knew all the stuff that had happened. See, that's what I expect people to extend towards me. But I look at them as a cartoon character. If they go off pop at me, they're just being rude, arrogant, blah, 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 and I put all the labels on them straight away. What does Jesus say about this? Because we're talking about the... Gentleness of Jesus. In Luke chapter 10, when Jesus is asked about the greatest commandment, some of us probably know this, he says, Luke 10, 27, he was asked, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, and your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And one of the reasons he's saying that and why this gentleness of Jesus is so different is Jesus is saying when you sit and you rationalize your own actions, because we do it. I rationalize my actions. I give myself an excuse. I can, why did I flip out? Why did I get so angry? Why? And I can think it through, and I'm like, oh, it was this, this, and then it was the Lego, it was the mozzie, it was all this stuff. Great. Now I know why I did. So I don't feel so bad about myself. I can give myself a pass. Jesus is saying, do the same for others. 
that same thinking, the same processing, the same time, the same everything that you would do to rationalize for yourself, love your neighbor as yourself. That's the gentleness of Jesus. Let me talk about taxis for a second. I had a friend in um, Peter Maritzburg who ran a taxi, he was part of the taxi industry, and um, amazing, amazing man. And he was saying in some of the taxi organizations that um, he knew, uh, he said the threat and the pressure that the taxi drivers live under to have to make money, to have to get people places, like the, the threat on their lives, the threat on their safety, and the threat on their finance far outweighs one angry driver who they cut off in the traffic. See, in context, if I was the taxi driver living in that situation, I would do the same thing. In fact, I'd probably be even worse. But you see, it just took some context, and then I listen, and I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. This guy, like, he's not, because he, we take it so personally. He saw, we're so narcissistic. He saw my car, he saw me, and he thought, screw you, buddy, I'm going to cut you off, I'm going to, and I'm going to, he's not even thinking about you. But because we live such selfish sometimes, friends, internal lives, it's all about me. I live like I'm living in my little movie and everybody else in the world are these actors on the show where I'm the star. It's not like that. They're not even thinking about us. And sometimes a little bit of context like that just helps to balance things. Then I'm like, oh, okay, I understand. I can extend a little bit of grace. I have to remind myself of that often, but I can extend a little bit of grace. Love your neighbors, yourself. Jesus says that we should look at it from every angle, trying to justify, equate, and understand, because that's what we would do for ourselves, to give it some time. Gentleness is not avoiding justice. Please hear this, friends. It's trying to find the most loving way to administer justice. Gentleness is not avoiding justice. Gentleness is trying to find the most loving way to administer justice. In a, giving, in a given situation. Look at Jesus' example with us. He's our great example. The Bible says that we were by nature objects of wrath, which means that there was no hope for our salvation. We were sinners, far from God, angry, at war with God, arrogant, wrapped up in our own sin and brokenness. There was nothing redeemable about us. We spoke about that a couple of weeks ago. And Jesus looks at us, and he sees that there is this, this judgment hanging over mankind of death. And instead of just, you know, in the moment, God riding in and just wiping mankind out, the, the picture of Scripture is this incredible, beautiful story of mankind sticking his finger in the face of God and saying, you know, go die in a hole. And God's like, okay, if you want it that way, here's the law. You can try and do it yourself. God could have wiped mankind out in a moment like that, but he didn't. And so he bears with mankind for thousands and thousands of years. And then eventually when mankind's run out of energy and says, I can't live under this law, it's too much, Jesus comes. And Jesus doesn't come and stand on the mountain and go, okay, so who of you have fulfilled this law that we gave? You guys asked for it. No one. And then just the clouds open and these angels come down with flamethrowers and just cook everyone. <laughs> it doesn't happen like that. What happens is when Jesus is born, the clouds open and these angels sing, you know, that the Savior is coming of mankind. See, God didn't avoid the justice that had to be meted out to mankind at all. What he did was 
He took the punishment on himself so that we could live. Friends, that's the gentleness of Christ, finding the most loving way to administer justice. God's absolutely amazing like that. Now, I don't know what your relationship with Jesus is like today. I don't know what the journey is that you've walked. But I hope that you understand that, that. Because if we sit in there expecting just this justice to be meted out at us by God, maybe because of poor pictures of, 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 of our father or whatever someone's told us God's like that, we've got a weird non-biblical view of God, we've lost the fact that he loves us. If you're in that space today, I hope that God comes and just begins to redeem our hearts, begins to change our thinking. Because friends, if I'm going to live with that hard justice against me, there's no ways I'm going to be able to meet our gentleness to others. I'm going to live with that hard justice towards others. That's why Jesus says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Be gentle with your neighbor as I am gentle with you. As you've received, freely have you received, freely give. That's always God's picture to us. There's no denying justice, but looking to see how love through grace and moderation can do what is best for others. If you think about this, there was a car accident and someone broke their back and they're lying on the floor and it's it's a horrific injury. We have to get that person off the floor, put them on a stretcher and get them to the hospital. But there's two ways you can, well, there's lots of ways you can do it, but there's two ways for 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 this example, for this story. I can grab that person, stick them on the, and quickly, but in grabbing that person and throwing them onto the stretcher and panic and I can worsen the injury. Or I can just slow it right down and very carefully take some time and slowly push the stretcher underneath their back and whatever, carefully pick them up and put them in the ambulance. I've done exactly the same thing. But the second time, I took time. It was with moderation. It was with grace. I've still achieved the outcome, but I didn't add to the injury in the process. And friends, for us, so often we get so caught up in the end goal, the, the justice, the my rights, the thing that I'm looking for, the, the outcome, that I forget to take the time, the moderation, the graciousness in the process of getting there. And so the end result can be even worse than it was beforehand. In most situations, gentleness is needed when someone or something is broken. That's when you need gentleness. Right? That's when it's most necessary. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. What does is, what is a smoldering wick look like? For me, I find smoldering wicks are, because uh, Cindy and I spend a lot of time with people and we have these really high hopes for people but try to keep our expectations really low because we're all people and we're dealing with stuff. And sometimes you just believe in someone and you encourage them and you just, you, you're trying to set them alight in a good way, right? Not literally, like you're trying to get them like fired up and woohoo, life's, and you keep lighting that wick and you keep adding fire and you keep adding encouragement. And every time you turn off the match or whatever, the wick goes, and it just sits and smolders and you're like, eh. at what stage does this thing catch? This is like trying to do a bribe with wet wood. At what point do you go, and then go somewhere else? And Jesus says, never, never. Jesus never did that. 
Friends, he looked at us as these smoldering wicks. How many times has God come to us with issues that we've struggled with? Comes with, set us on fire, light us, up, light us again. We go for a little bit, then the wind of the world comes and blows us out. And when he comes back, it's just, you know, like this little puff of black smoke. And then he's like, comes in there, lights it again. A bruised reed, he won't break. What does a bruised reed look like? A bruised reed for me, again, when I'm talking about people, you know those of us who, who struggled and who are really struggling to get over things, and so we live with this bruise in our lives, we live with this issue, and, it's, and I find that really tricky to deal with with people sometimes. Someone who can't get over something, they just, they live broken, they live hurt, they live in this, this broken place. And maybe that's you today, maybe there's something that you're struggling to get over. And Jesus, when he looks at you, friend, when, whatever that space is, he doesn't look at you as, he doesn't have this like timeline and eventually he's like, oh, pfft, throw, you, throw you under the, butt, the bus. But he nurses that bruised reed back to healing. And so we're talking about the gentleness of Jesus here. The question then, of course, is, well, if that's the gentleness of Jesus, what about me? He expects, he expects the same of me. Jesus had the right to snuff out the smoldering wicks, but he didn't. Did he have the right to break the reed? Of course he did. Could he have thundered about the sin of man from the streets when he came as the Christ to walk on the streets of earth? Of course he did. But it says in verse 2, he will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. He walked gently and he spoke to them. Be healed. And he speaks gently to people. He sees people restored. Jesus didn't flip out and lose his stuff when he walked around on the earth. It must have been so hard for him. He created this incredibly beautiful world. He created this world where people were meant to live in love and harmony in a relationship with one another and with God. And he walked around and he watched the way people spoke to each other. And he watched the way people were just destroying everything that him and his father had made. And yet he didn't thunder from the streets because he knew, this is the timing, he knew that redemption was coming. He knew it would cost him his life, but he knew and he could walk for those 33 years knowing that there would be an answer to all of the suffering and pain. And he knew that it would cost him. It would cost him his life. And his gentleness would allow us to find redemption. Friends, that kind of big picture thinking, the time thing. Something I learned to, I, I, I can be quite an impulsive person. And something I learned quite a few years ago, and it's been an absolute godsend for me. If anyone ever sends me an angry message or a frustrated message, whatever it is, my response, and if any of you have ever sent me a message like that, you, you'll know this. My response is always, hey, bro, I love you lots. Let's have a coffee in a couple of days. I don't usually say in a couple of days, but in my mind, I've said a couple of days because I need time. I just need some time. I need time to let the dust settle. I need time to be able to do the love check in my heart, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. Do I want to kill this person, right? Do I love them, <laughs> right? I need to let the one subside so the other one can come up. Because in the moments, I can't. And this knee-jerk, you know, social media and just saying stuff over a phone. And friends, there's no gentleness in that. We're just reacting like this. Just to be able to take time. Hey, bro, love you. would love to have a coffee sometime. Just, just take some time. God, what are you saying? Lord, what do you see? Lord, is it, what, what have I done wrong? What do I need to say sorry for? 
How do we fix this? Right? Because the world is talking to me. My flesh is talking to me. Those around are talking to me. They're saying, do it. You've got the right. Just sort them out. Sort everybody out. And Jesus says, take time. Don't put out the smoldering wick. Don't break the, the bruised reed. Gentleness is not taking a dive or sweeping it under the rug. There is a reckoning coming, but it will be a reckoning in love. That's gentleness. So finish off with this. How do we cultivate the soil which promotes gentleness in our hearts? It's two things. Number one, we need to live healed. And number two, we need to understand that others are as broken as you and I. We need to have that in our thinking. We obviously need to receive love from God and all those things. But I'm talking practical things on the ground as I walk out the door tomorrow. The other day, I was driving and our car wasn't going very fast and didn't know why the car wasn't going very It just felt sluggish. And I must have been driving for like, I don't know, 15 minutes. And then I realized that the handbrake was on. And if you can drive for 15 minutes with a brake on, it shouldn't be called a brake. It should be called a make the car smell funny when you drive with it on lever, right? Like driving around with this thing on. And I, like I was trying to work out, is the petrol not, like I don't know anything about cars. You know that by now. Like I open the engine, it's just like, open the engine, it's like, there might as well be magical pixies and, you know, people throwing fairy dust in there. I don't know nothing. But driving around with this thing up, I realized, friends, it's so easy. When we don't live healed, when we are carrying baggage, we haven't dealt with stuff. It's that slow burn of frustration that's got us sitting here. It's literally like driving around with a handbrake on. Our lives are jerky and they just don't ever get going. Right? You, you're putting in way too much effort right, to do something that should take a whole lot less effort. How much petrol you use driving around with your handbrake on? Just saying, your revs on your car to get anywhere, like, sound like a Ferrari all the time. It's exciting, but it's not very quick. And friends, that's what happens to us if we don't live healed, right? If I live frustrated and angry, what happens is I seek justice as quickly as possible in any given situation. We end up taking everything so personally realizing when we forget that everyone else is also taking everything so personally. Everyone's selfishly doing their own thing. Not out to get me, like I said in a moment, like I said just now. We need to learn the pause, the power of the pause. Just take a couple of days, take a moment, don't react. And that's the moment where it's like, God, right now, Lord, if gentleness is, if that fruit is anywhere, I need a delivery a refrigerated delivery of a lot of fruit of gentleness right now. I need that truck to drive in, and they just pull out crates of this gentleness. It looks like a pear in my thinking, gentleness, because pear is such a gentle fruit. <laughs> I don't know why. It's got a gentle taste. Just all these pears of gentleness. Just, Lord, I'm just going to stand. I'm just going to hand these things out, Lord. I'm not going to react. I'm not going to throw them at the person. I'm not going to attach a dot to the front of it and throw it. I'm just going to hand out these pairs of gentleness. I need you now, Lord. I don't want to react in this situation. Friends, you know what's so helpful to help us learn the pause and to live healed? We have been forgiven so much. We ourselves. Jesus tells this story. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. 
Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The master's servant took pity on him and canceled the entire debt and let him go. And then that same servant went out. He found one of his fellow servants who owed him a few hundred silver coins, so much less. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all of your debt because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. And friends, it's, that torture is the thing that we do to ourselves when we, when we hold on to that unforgiveness. Right? There's, no grace, there's no grace for us. There's no love. You, just, you don't experience the... Um, the forgiveness and the space and just the peace of God when we live with unforgiveness in our own hearts towards others. And it's so helpful that when I'm looking at someone who's wronged me, for me to be able to look at heaven and go, God, I wronged, I've wronged you so much more. And be able to let it go. Living healed. Live with zero in that bank account. Right? The bank account of frustration, zero. Nothing in there. And then secondly, to finish, understand that others are as broken as you and I. Friends, we all need Jesus, all of us. That person needs Jesus. Yes, they do, as much as I need Jesus, whatever the situations that I'm facing. I, all of us need to learn that we cannot hold the world to an impossible standard that we ourselves cannot even hold up. We can't attain ourselves. That's why Jesus was so angry with the Pharisees. He says to them, you just put burdens on people that you yourselves can't even carry. Finish with this text. Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntech to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life bit of tension going on in the church in Philippi. Rejoice in the Lord always. And I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I spoke a few weeks ago about kindness being the vehicle or kindness being the thing that the world needs. When I look at gentleness, gentleness is the vehicle that delivers that kindness to the world. If we don't have gentleness, there's no delivery of that to anyone because we just live with a short fuse that's having a go. So friends, I'd love to pray for us if I can. I wonder if we can bow our heads as we bring this to a close. I was incredibly challenged with this. I, I found living... You know, this lockdown thing, I've been frustrated that we're online, to be honest, today. But I also understand that there's gentleness needed at the moment because not all of us are in the same place. 
I've been frustrated with my kids this week. Like, it's just, it's been like the most crazy week. And God's like, I don't think God is trying to trip me up, but he's like, okay, great, I'm going to give you some great material for your sermon, John. You're really going to feel this one this week. You need gentleness. And I honestly, I'm the guy who's just, God, back the truck up. Just back the truck. Just deliver the pairs of, of gentleness. I need this stuff now. I want to be able to be that to my children as I raise them. I want to be that to my wife as I nurture her. I want to be that to those people that I meet in the world who are used to. The moment something goes wrong, bah, just getting sorted out. Just justice. The axe falls. Smack. Sort out. Clap at culture. To be able to, in the middle of that, come with grace and gentleness. Thank you so much for joining us. You might be asking yourself the question, how can I take this further? Firstly, you can send us your contact details to cindy at centerchurch.co.za where we can include you in our online connect groups and you can receive our daily devotional. Secondly, you can hop on our website where you can access previous sermons and find out more about who we are at Center Church. Thirdly, if you consider yourself as part of Center Church, we want to thank you so much for your ongoing financial partnership. The banking details are on the website. Thank you so much for joining us and hope you have an amazing Sunday.